0: We're going to be talking about Abide. There it is. There's the series graphic. Thank you so much, Ronal, for putting that together for us. But this this, this series is going to be about growing our intimacy and affection for God and maturing in our relationship with Him as His followers. That's the goal. It's about growing in our relationship or growing in our intimacy rather and affection for God and maturing in our relationship with Him. I must say, it's also one of the most challenging passages of Scripture, which we're going to get to in a moment, this one in John chapter 15. You know, because this is, this is the thing about discipleship, right, is when God calls you closer, when he calls you to his feet, uh, some things have to go. <laughs> Think of Moses with the, with the story of, of, um, of God being revealed in the burning bush. What does God say to him? Take off your sandals. The place you're standing is holy ground, yeah? Some things can't accompany you the deeper you go. Into holiness with God. Some things have to fall off. And so for the next three weeks, friends, we're gonna let some things grow and we're gonna let some things fall away, die off, be removed, as we as we consider this passage. Now that's that's not a word for your spouse or your kids, okay? Don't say, see, gonna have to let you go. No. This is gonna be about spiritual things that we let go and spiritual things that we let grow in our lives. But this series is going to be about how we can produce the kind of life that God wants us to produce as his disciples. And you'll discover that it's actually more about allowing things to grow in the right place as opposed to forcing things to grow in the wrong place. It's a lot less complicated than what we might think. It really is about allowing some things to grow in the right place and letting some things fall off that we're growing in the wrong place. And so over the next few weeks, I want to look at the passage of Scripture in John chapter 15 where Jesus reveals himself to us as the true vine, the true vine. And we're going to unpack some key ideas from this text that will help us find ourselves at the feet of Jesus again. Back to our first love. Are you with me this morning? You ready for this one? Let's have a look at John chapter 15, verses 1 through 9. This is what it says. This is Jesus talking. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me, remember those words in me for a second. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. So much in there already. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me or abide in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. That's so powerful. If anyone does not remain in me, he is, throw, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the, into the fire, and they are burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove or become my disciples. Amen. What an amazing passage of scripture. I've entitled our conversation this morning, The Pursuit of Fruit. The pursuit of freedom thank pastor george for his help there with that title obviously you know he's always got some cool ram analogy something in the in the title so i thought i'd um i thought i'd take that and make it and make it the title but as a starting point understanding where this particular passage of scripture in john 15 fits into the gospel is key to understanding why it's so powerful why it's so relevant for us today so to help us do that i want you to imagine something with me for a moment imagine that you have taken All of your closest friends, the people that are nearest and dearest to you in life, and you've put them all together in one room, and you're sharing a meal together. Imagine the scene. You're sitting around this long table. You know, there's a Nando's hot pot in the middle. No? Sushi? I don't know. Help me here. Some of the favorite meals. Pasta? Nina's full tray pizza. We had that during Alpha. Curry? It's wonderful curry. Butter chicken curry. Oh, there we go. I'm getting hungry already. But you're sitting around this table with your closest friends and you have, you have spent the last couple of years training them for a very specific task that you want them to fulfill. You've been teaching them and, and, and guiding them along this, this path that you would like them to walk out. And you're the only person in the room that knows you won't be with them to help them carry this task out. This is the last time you're going to have supper with them actually. They're all sitting there. They're looking at you. You're looking at them. You're sharing this meal. And you've got this thing in your mind of, this is the last time that I'm going to be with them. And they have this really important mission that you've been training them over the last three years to carry out. What would you say at that supper? What would be your final words of encouragement to this group of friends? And This is where John chapter 15 finds its place. It's part of the last teachings that Jesus would ever give his disciples. And so it kind of puts into context why this particular passage, and actually these three chapters, John 14, 15, and 16, are so powerful. This is, the, this is what the disciples needed to hear from Jesus before he went to the cross. In fact, um, Andrew Womack, he, he calls John chapters 14, 15, and 16 the Christian survival kit. <laughs> it's like the last, the last bits of encouragement or instructions that his followers would get before he's crucified, before he's taken away. And right now at this Passover meal, this is this, is this, this uh, story that I asked you to imagine just now where you're having supper. Jesus has just had the Passover meal and he's walking towards the garden where he'll be arrested. Actually, John chapter 14 ends with Jesus saying in verse 31, get up, let's leave this place, let's leave the supper. And John chapter 15 starts with Jesus saying, I am the true vine. So imagine what it must have been like getting up from this meal and walking through this, this darkened town, of, of Jerusalem, walking through the city, going out the city walls, through the countryside, walking towards the garden, and Jesus knowing what was, what was about to happen to him. And if you would almost just indulge me for a moment, but this would have been during Easter, right, which is spring in the Northern Hemisphere. So I almost picture Jesus walking through this countryside and seeing a branch and using this as an opportunity to teach his disciples about this principle of, of himself being the true vine. know, picking up this branch and saying, I am the true vine. This is what I want you guys to do while I'm not here. I want you to abide in me. And so that's kind of where the story fits in. And I suppose that's the first key idea. That's the first principle that I wanted to leave with you this morning is we have to recognize that Jesus alone is the true vine. Jesus alone is the true vine. You know, that word true is very, very important. Um, There are many counterfeit vines out there, aren't there? Many, many counterfeit vines, vines that seem attractive, you know, they might even have some allure of life to them. Uh, maybe they tempt you in thinking that they have the ability to produce some kind of fruit in you, but they're actually not the real thing, you know. And if I can get very real with you guys for a moment, you know, as, as, as some, some preachers would say, I'm going to get up all in your business for a minute. Uh, let's look at some counterfeit vines that the world may have thrown at us. First one. What about counterfeit relationships? Isn't that a counterfeit vine? What's a counterfeit relationship? What What are those? Well, those are the ones where you make the choices. You decide how you how you're going to run them. You know, it's no God. It's okay. You know, I don't need your help here. Um, uh, you know, thanks for all your conviction and stuff about holiness, but I'm gonna I'm gonna call the shots. You know, I know what I'm doing. You just stay out of this one. Okay. Hey? doesn't only apply to marriage or romantic relationships, but also in friendships. How many of us have ever met some fake people that claim to be friends but when the chips are down are nowhere to be found? Maybe we've even been the person that's on the fake side. (laughs) Getting deep this morning very quickly folks. You know, perhaps we fell into that trap of claiming to be a true friend but quickly sidelined someone when it became inconvenient for us to help them in some way. Counterfeit relations. What about counterfeit religion? That's a big vine that sometimes we fall into the trap of doing. What is that all about? Well, it says that, God, if I do such and such, and if I perform such and such a clause, then you're going to perform your bit. And if I someday mess up, then you're not going to hold up your end of the deal. Counterfeit religion. It's all about works. Sounds easy not to fall into that trap, but what happens when it's worded like, oh, God, why won't this promotion happen right now? I've been serving you so faithfully for so long top of that? You know, I've been trusting you for this relationship. Why? Why is it taking so long? Look at all these things that I've done. Or God, why, how, how can these bad things keep happening? You know, why are you punishing me for these things? Anyone ever felt themselves going down that road? I know I have. That's a counterfeit vine. That's a counterfeit religion. True religion says that I get what Jesus deserves because he got what I deserved. That's true religion. I get what Jesus deserves because Jesus got what I deserved. Grace. Grace. His grace overcame my merit. (laughs) My good works were never good enough to earn righteousness. Amen. God did that for me. (laughs) He took that for me. He gave me his righteousness. Counterfeit religion. One more. What about counterfeit careers? Because this is actually... Part of the context of this verse and why I think it's relevant for us today is that this absolutely touches on every part of our lives, including our careers. How many of us know someone that's attached themselves to the vine of their, of their career? Yeah, that's possible. That's a counterfeit vine. What does that mean? It means that we kind of fall for this false sense of fulfillment that satisfaction, or, or should I say, success, recognition, you know, reputation will produce. And actually, it leaves us feeling empty. And, you know, this is the kind of fruit that Jesus is actually talking about. He says, you know, fruit that lasts. He he wants us to produce fruit, fruit that lasts. He's not talking about, you know, earthly, temporary fruit. He's talking about spiritual, eternal fruit. You know, that is the difference between what we're seeing in these scriptures and what sometimes we fall into the trap of of doing. You know, you might see someone that has a lot of um, earthly possessions that's very successful and go, surely, you know, they're bearing so much fruit. Look how fruitful they are. But please don't fall into the trap of comparing someone else's temporary earthly fruit to eternal spiritual fruit that Jesus is talking about here. They are not the same thing. And please also don't think that God is not asking us to be successful, not at all. He's saying don't make the source of your happiness, the source of your joy, the source of your fulfillment, something that's a counterfeit fund, that's not actually going to produce the fulfillment for your soul that you know you need. And they could only be found in him. Um, uh, could I go to a hectic passage of scripture on this? I don't know if I can. I feel like there's, do I have some license? Twitter? Is it okay? Some of our PE friends are here giving me some extra confidence this morning. But this, um, money. Very big count of advance, yeah? Um, and God has some pretty direct teaching on it. Is it okay if I go there for a moment and then I'll just, back out again and just say, you know, Jesus loves us and unicorns and rainbows. But this is, this, this is the discipleship process, folks. It's sometimes very uncomfortable, but I feel like I wouldn't be doing us the, 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 the proper service if I didn't at least take us to some of these places, right? We want to go deeper in levels of holiness. Some things have to go. And, you know, maybe this is something for someone or someone that you know. First um, Timothy 6, verse 6 to 13. <clears throat> he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with these. But those who want to be rich, those who attach themselves to the counterfeit vine of money, fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. Important phrase here, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Please note that Jesus is not saying money itself is the root of all kinds of evil. Yeah, you see that? It's the love of. It's me attaching myself to the vine of money, thinking that it's going to produce some kind of a fulfillment in my soul. Amen? You with me? Was that too hectic? Are we okay? Can we, can we breathe? <sighs> there you go. That's, that's an amen. I'm going to take the amen from the kids' church. Kids' church, kids. But can you see in this passage how there's a very clear distinction between earthly or worldly fruit that is temporary, money in this example, and heavenly or spiritual fruit that's eternal? So how do we do that? What, what, what is the key to overcoming this, this particular counterfeit vine of, of, of career or wealth? Well, you know that a branch by itself doesn't have the ability to produce fruit on its own. Has anyone ever walked past an apple tree branch lying on the ground and seen it with apples? No. Obviously, it has to remain connected to the vine. Not so. The branch is the conduit for the fruit, not the source of the fruit. So in the same way, when it comes to our careers, we are not the source of the ability to be successful. We are the conduits through which the source of the fruit bearing flows, who is God. Amen. It's all because of the vine that we can produce fruit. You know, imagine your life represented as a tap for a moment. A tap is always connected to a water source, however, you have to open the tap to allow the water to flow through it, not so. Otherwise it's just a pretty fixture in a home. And in the same way, we are not the source of the water. We are simply the taps. You simply stay connected to the water source, and when you open the tap and say, "Lord, I place my career at your feet," Colossians 317, or whatever you do in word or deed." all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him, you allow the water to flow through you. Amen. We are just the taps. we are not the source of that wealth. So we can either worship our careers or we can worship God with our careers. Choice is ours. The first one would be a reflection of us being able to produce fruits in and of ourselves. The second one would indicate God as the source of that ability. You know Deuteronomy 8:18. 8, Puts it very, very simply. It says this, but remember, sorry guys, yeah, I did skip one verse there, Deuteronomy eight eighteen. But remember that the Lord your God gives you power to gain wealth. The Lord your God gives you the power to create wealth. In order to confirm his covenant, he swore to your ancestors as it is today. It's the Lord who gives you the ability and the power to create the wealth. So now that we've identified some counterfeits, can I ask you this morning, Are there any areas of your life, in your life, where you need to reconnect to the true vine? Where do you need to reconnect to the true vine? Maybe it's our reputation that we've attached ourselves to. Maybe it's success. Maybe it's our ability to parent well or be a good spouse. Maybe it's even a hurt or an unforgiveness in our hearts that we've attached ourselves to, thinking that it's going to give us some kind of fruitfulness, but it's actually leaving us feeling a bit empty, a bit dry, a bit barren. Let's remind ourselves that none of those vines can produce the fruit that God is calling us to. We need to connect ourselves to Jesus Christ as the true vine alone, amen? Psalm 62, do we have that there, guys? Uh, Psalm 62, this is what it says. I am at rest in God alone. I am at rest in God alone. We just let those words sink in for a moment. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. You guys see the language there. I am addressed in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. That's what happens when you attach yourself to the true vine. You will never be shaken. Guess what? The grapevines that grow, they go through storms. They go through droughts. They go through floods. Still produce fruit. Why? They're connected to the vine. See the power of this analogy that Jesus is giving us in his word this morning. John 4, verse 13, uh, one more scripture on this on this point says this. This is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. He says, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Isn't that awesome? The water that we get from God will become a well of living water springing up on the inside of us. May we be encouraged this morning friends, to stay connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ. So, that's verse 1. <laughs> in a nutshell, uh, I had a really hard time actually narrowing this down to just one or two key ideas. But are you guys okay with one more? Can we just go through one more concept together? Let's have a look at the word abide quickly. Uh, this is found in verses four, five, six, and 7. Um, the word used for this, for this English word abide is the Greek word meno. M-E-N-O which is such a powerful word that actually illustrates um, how to stay connected to God in an authentic way, how to be and become one of his disciples. The word meno means to be continually present in or to exist in a constant state of being with. To be continually present in and exist in a constant state of being. some translations uh, in in, uh, scriptures uh, use the word remain to kind of describe this this concept, this this idea of, of being permanently present in and with someone. I like that so much. Because, you know, there's a difference between connecting with someone once in a while, isn't there? You know, someone that you kind of attach yourself to occasionally. There's a massive difference between that and between remaining in someone constantly in a state of being that you continue to be present in and with this thing. You know, because when you abide in something, you begin to take on the characteristics of that thing that you abide in. Not so. Here's the thing. When you get squeezed, hypothetically, like the grapes do, when they get stood on and produces wine, when you get squeezed, your life will pour out whatever you are most saturated with. That thing that's in your heart will come out in those seasons of squeezing, you know. Whatever you saturate your soul with will overflow in those trying and testing moments. You know, and if we want to produce this fruit that Jesus is talking about, this fruit that is holy, fruit that is honorable, fruit that is full of joy that we have in our spirits through the Holy Spirit, then we need to ensure that we don't just connect to the vine every now and then, but that we abide, that we menow in him. We have our constant state of being in Jesus. You know, this principle isn't only true in spiritual matters. It's true in every area of life. It's not an uncommon concept. And for example, in leadership, there's a saying that says, you are the sum total of the thoughts that you think the most and the habits that you do the most. That's what happens in leadership. You're the sum total of the thoughts that you think the most and the habits that you do the most. In preaching, in communication, you become more like the person that you listen to the most. You know? You guys are all trying to figure out who on earth I'm listening to. I listen to Jesus, okay? So I'm becoming like him. That's so lame, but we know this. We 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 know this principle in relationships. I'm sure all of us have heard the saying: "Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future." Yeah, the people that you surround yourself with are the people that are going to shape you and influence you in some way, the most. And so, when we abide in Christ, what does that mean? It means when we saturate ourselves with Him, when we listen to Him, when we read His Word, when we worship Him, when we sit at His feet we become more like Him. We fill ourselves with who He is. So we should pay really careful attention to what has our affection. What has your affection in life, friends? What are we saturating ourselves with? You know, you, you don't want to be sitting at the feet of Jesus or trying to sit at the feet of Jesus, but constantly looking over your one shoulder, you know, wondering what on earth is going on behind you. You know, oh, sorry, hang on, Lord, just, these friends of mine just look like they're having a good time here. Just, just give me a sec, you know, connecting. I'm not, I'm not abiding, you know. Sorry, sorry, Jesus, just give me five minutes. I just need to worry about this business transaction quickly. Um, yes, I know I had to do things my own way and pull strings to get there, but, you know, it's for the Lord. So just just give me a few moments when I look over my shoulder here quickly, you know. Oh, Lord, hang on. I'm listening. I just want to check social media for a second. Can I talk. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening, you know. Saturate yourself. When you're at the feet of Jesus, be at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> There's so many distractions to becoming a disciple. <laughs> so many things that are going to fight for your attention. No, you want to you continue in God and place the sum total of your affection on him. And watch what happens in life when you do that. All the other things find their proper place. All the other things find their proper place. John 14 Verse 15 to 17, it says this. It says, if you love me, so Jesus talking, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. And there's so many other counselors that we can listen to. But this is the promise that Jesus has given us. He will give us another counselor. He is the spirit of truth. That's who he is. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him. Because he remains with you. He menows with you and will be in you. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. We have him with us, in us, abiding with us to help us on this way. Isn't God so gracious? When we feel those distractions come, like you want to look over our our shoulder, do things our own way, the Holy Spirit just goes, sorry, Lloyd, do you mind just focusing again, please? You put the phone down. Put the worries down. You put the insecurities down. You put your past failures down. Can you just can you just sit? Can you just get back to that place of intimacy with him, please? You know, this um this uh, particular passage of of scripture is so powerful. Um, you know, it says, when you cultivate your love for the Lord and, and, and grow in your affection for him, the automatic consequence is that you do those things that are pleasing in his sight. It's not the other way around. You know, for the longest time I thought this this verse you know, meant that we like have to obey God to kind of prove our love for him. You know, like he's sitting up there giving some kind of harsh instruction. You know, it's like, you will keep my commands, you know? Otherwise you don't love me. (laughs) But he's actually saying, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You see that? It's if you love me, when you have a deep love for God, the automatic reaction is that you want to do those things that are pleasing to him. Because you realize he's just, worth, he's just absolutely worth it. <laughs> the more your affection grows, the more that you focus your, 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 your joy on him, the more you want to do those things that are, that are pleasing, the more you want to obey him. And as we consider these words of Jesus that, you know, he instructs his disciples to abide in him, may we be reminded that this also speaks to us, this, this, this thing about being continually present means that we are with him every single moment of every single day. It means that you don't allow our past to keep us back from trusting God for a new tomorrow. It means that we don't allow the uncertainties of tomorrow to cloud our judgment and force us into making long-term decisions based on short-term emotions. I many of us have you ever fallen into that trap. Oh, I'm so angry right now. I'll make a long-term decision based on a short-term emotion. Jesus is calling us to abide. Be continually present. In every single moment, mennow with him as he is menowing with you. He is abiding in you and you are abiding in him. That means every thought, every word, every action should be connected to Jesus as the true vine. That's what should saturate us. So when those moments happen, when those temptations come, when you feel that anger, what do we do? We've got a choice to make, don't we? What do we know? One of two choices. I either go my own way, go over my shoulder. Hang on, Lord. I just want to tune this driver quickly, cut me off in traffic. Hang on, give me one sec. Or, Lord, what is it that you want to say? I'm focusing on you right now. I'm getting squeezed. I'm getting squeezed. This is angry. This is frustrating. But what is the life that you've placed in me that should come out in this moment? Because guess what? That's what's going to produce fruit. That's what's going to produce fruit, not the other way around. So um, I realized that I've got One minute left. I really sound like Pastor George now. The clock's gone red. But i want to close with this final thought around the idea of of, uh, fruitfulness and pruning, which we're going to get to next week. It's such a big topic and I I can't wait to share on it. But as a sort of a closing encouragement, um, verse 2 of this passage says, Every branch in me, that's the phrase I ask you to remember. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more fruit, right? I just want to focus for a moment on that first part, where it says, "Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes." Now, if you are like me in any way, you might be thinking to yourself, "Gosh, am I a branch that does not produce fruit? Is that me? Am I am I one of those guys?" Um, You know, uh, there's some seasons in my life where I haven't felt very fruitful. You know. Does that disqualify me from this thing? Am I going to be removed? You know, Lord, help me here. What's, what's happening? I mean, we all make mistakes, right? Am I going to be removed and taken away from you? Am I like those other branches in verse 6 that he says are gathered together and thrown into the fire? Burned. You know, it sounds so hectic. But let me share this encouragement with you as we consider what this actually means. You know, that word remove is the Greek word, I hope I pronounce this correctly, Oreia or i I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, R-R-R-A, I think, which actually means to raise. To raise or to take up from the ground or to lift. So read that verse again. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he lifts up. He raises up. He bears up. And I wonder if you hear this morning, well, if you've been thinking about this, this passage and what it sort of means, and this is actually how it plays out in this verse. This is what happens in the winemaking industry is that the vine dresser, every now and then, he goes to the vineyard and he'll find one of these branches. It's fallen down on the ground. It started growing away from the vine. Still connected to it. Any branch in me, still connected to it. It's just growing away from the vine. And so what happens is when it lands on the ground, when this particular branch lands on the ground, it's, it tries to put its roots down into the soil. We call those tap roots, little, little roots. It kind of thinks, okay, well, here's some soil. I'm going to see if I can find some nourishment from this place. And what the vine dresser does is he has to go down by hand. I knew this was going to happen because I got emotional when I typed this out last night. He says he goes down by hand and he, and he, and he picks the branch up. And what does he do? He attaches it again to the vine. Doesn't want to break the connection. It's still connected. It's got to be careful. But he but he picks it up. He picks the branch up. And he places it back into the vine so that it can produce fruit again. And I wonder if you're here this morning, church, and you feel like maybe you're one of those branches that has lost your way. Maybe you thought, you know what, Lord, I haven't been as fruitful as I should have been over the last season. And maybe you've grown away from the vine in some way. we try to attach ourselves with tap roots, very shallow roots into the soil of some other ground. You thought it would produce some fruit, but it's actually left you feeling empty. I want you to know this morning, friend, that God is the vine dresser. And he's saying to you this morning, don't worry, my child. <laughs> you may have felt like you've gone your own way and lost connection with me, but I've never lost my connection with you. Got you by hand. I'm walking through the vineyard of your life and every branch that has fallen down, I'm picking up. I'm raising up and I'm connecting back to me again. Don't worry, you're not going to be cut off. You're not going to be cut off. You're in me and I'm in you. I've got this and you're going to produce fruit again in due season. Amen. Church, could you stand with me as we close in a word of prayer this morning? So... um part one of the Abide series. (laughs) Hope it was um, food for thought, something meaningful to consider as we um, really find ourselves, I guess, again, at the feet of Jesus as the source of our life, our encouragement, our our reason for living, I guess. Um, And I really did feel in my heart that I wanted to take a moment and pray for us at the end of the service uh, for anyone, firstly, that feels disconnected completely from the vine, like you haven't had that connection in the first place and you're wondering what that's about. And then secondly, Branches that have been connected, but maybe have lacked fruit in some way. I feel like things have, things have gone down in some way. But let's take a moment and just close our eyes, I suppose, as a way of, of just honoring this moment. And it's not going to be anything weird. It's not going to be crazy. I really just do feel like I want to stand with you uh, and, and pray for you that, that God would do whatever he needs to do. You know, he is the vine dresser. God is the vine dresser. He knows every single branch. Intricately, He knows you by name. You have never lost your connection with him. And so, Father, I firstly want to pray for any heart represented here this morning, Lord. Anyone that is connected even to this house who feels like they want to start that connection with you. Lord, I pray that by your spirit you would really minister to us in this moment and say, It's okay, my child. I'm here. My hands are open. They don't have to prove anything. There's no counterfeit religion that we have to, that we have to go through. You are freely available, God. And I thank you that your grace in Jesus has made this possible, that we just simply need to say yes to you. And if you are here this morning, you can really echo this very, very simple prayer in your heart, and you're welcome to pray it out loud under your breath if you feel comfortable. But all you say is, Jesus, I'm sorry that I've tried to do things my own way. Sorry for sitting against you. I've grown away. Please come into my life. Forgive me. Make me new. And be Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you for your power that makes this possible. I look to you, Jesus, in your name. And Father, I also want to pray this morning that if there's anyone here that feels like they're a branch that has just grown away from you. Maybe there's been a season of fruitlessness and may have been worried that, you know, we've lost our connection or lost our adoption or lost our identity or lost something. Father, I want to pray that for every heart that feels in that category this morning, that you would break off the lies of the enemy, Father. May they recognize that they have never lost their connection to you. Because Jesus, your word says, no one can pluck us out of your hand. You are the good Father. You are the good vine dresser, the gardener. And you pick us up gladly every single time that we fall. And Lord, I just thank you for an even more fruitful season as we rekindle our first love for you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are merciful to us. Thank you that you are for us. We saying those words just now. Jesus, they're so powerful. You are for us. And you're not holding our trespasses against us. And so, Father, I thank you that you have picked everyone up. You are connecting us again to the vine. You are renewing our joy. You're renewing our strength. And you're renewing our purpose as we trust in you. And all of these things we pray and ask in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. Church, can we give God a shout of praise this morning? Awesome.